Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And I hope you're doing well, everybody. This is Jim McCarron's Back with the Good, the Bad, and the TV on the Believe Podcast Network. Check us out. Subscribe to us. Rate us on your favorite podcast sites. Now, let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV, shall we? The year is 1982. AT&T breaks up. The Midwest freezes up. Commodore's home computer ramps up. USA Today's arrival shakes up. A huge million-person New York City anti-nuke rally fires up. D.C.'s Vietnam Memorial, Florida's Epcot, Knoxville's World's Fair open up. Tylenol packaging changes up. And found guilty Klaus von Bülow pays up. In 1982, Princess Grace of Monaco dies in a car crash. Actor Vic Morrow is killed in an onset helicopter crash. And in early January, an unknown 29-year-old named Lenny Skutnik becomes the hero of the year as a result of a plane crash. When an Air Florida flight lands in the Potomac, bystander Skutnik dies into the icy waters to pull a survivor to shore. The year's other accidental hero, 61-year-old Seattle dentist Barney Clark, who's the first human recipient of a permanent artificial heart. He survives 112 days. And as the NFL endures a 57-day strike in the fall of 1982, Michael Jackson's Thriller album is released on its way to becoming history, yielding seven top ten hit singles, winning eight Grammy Awards, including Album of the Year, and selling 32 million copies by the end of 1983, on the way to 66 million over the course of the next 35 years. In September of 1982, future classic sitcoms <clears throat> Family Ties, Cheers, Square Pegs each air their very first episodes, the first two on NBC and the latter on CBS. But a bigger story this month relates to an ABC sitcom that has finished its run earlier in the year. After eight seasons and six previous nominations in the category, Barney Miller, for its final season, wins the Emmy as the best comedy on television. If recognized for nothing other than its casting, Barney Miller would likely stand out as one of TV's most revolutionary shows. The ensemble sitcom premieres back in 1975 with what's likely TV's most diverse regular cast to date, including an Hispanic, an Asian, and an African-American, teamed with an aging and glum depressive, a simple gum-chewing young Pole, and a middle-aged Jewish precinct leader, played by Hal Linden, for whom the series is titled. Together, they make up the fictional detective squad of New York City's 12th Precinct. Even the headline-making Norman Lear comedies of the day aren't this reflective of a changing country. But Barney Miller's Emmy this September isn't just for mirroring a contemporary New York in a way that mm, Friends and Seinfeld don't even do 20 years later, but rather for years of bringing literate topical, relevant, relatable, and very funny comedy to prime time, week after week. 
Barney Miller begins life as a mid-season replacement during ABC's 1974-75 season. Born of a failed pilot called The Life and Times of Barney Miller that airs in August 1974. Starring stage actor and recent Tony winner, Hal Linden. The pilot doesn't really work, but producers and ABC like the general idea behind the show, and they certainly like the star of it. So a new pilot is ordered, with a new cast, and it's refashioned as Barney Miller, about the home and work lives of New York City's 12th precinct captain, Barney Miller, with character actor Abe Vigoda, Tessio from the first two Godfather films, the only supporting cast member kept around. Because only a character actor like Vigoda can get away with a line like this from a scene that begins with a Yamana phone call as Fish is seen in the background walking towards the bathroom. Well, Precinct Yamana, yeah. Yeah. You're kidding. Yeah. Barney, that was dispatch. Uh, there was somebody in the jewelers. And then you got away. Harrison Wojo are chasing him through the sewers. Through the sewers? Yeah. Down there? <laughs> I better wait. <laughs> could be obstructing justice. Gregory Sierra, Jack Sue, Ron Glass, Max Gale, they're added to flesh out the squad room as the fellow detectives. Barbara Barry replaces Abby Dalton as Miller's wife, Elizabeth. As a series, Barney Miller proves itself to be sly and smart rather than obvious or conventional, developing some off-cerebral and subversive commentary. This line from an elderly fish to Barney. Do you know what it feels like to be running down 43rd Street and your partner is cornering the guy on 52nd Street? Do you know how I found out what happened? I ask a reporter. It all adds up to a bit of departure from the avuncular cop sitcom seen in prime time to date. Not that there have been many. From, say, The Andy Griffith Show to even Car 54, Where Are You? Like I said, there haven't been many. And without a huge star at its center or the publicity-friendly Norman Lear name over its title, or really an easy description to offer viewers about the new show, is it a husband-wife show, domestic comedy, an all-guys police series, an office comedy. It takes time for The Quiet Show to make some noise and to catch on with viewers. Not helping is its placement on an already troubled ABC Thursday night, opposite CBS's top 10 Emmy-winning powerhouse popular drama, The Waltons. But it hangs on, and within a year, as ABC itself becomes a stronger network, thanks to top hits like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, And as a result of being paired with hot new show, Welcome Back, Cotter, yes, Welcome Back, Cotter, Barney Miller begins creeping up in the ratings. Its deft blending of satire and pathos seems incongruent with Sweat Hog Humor, though, and soon it's strong enough to be bumped up to the important tentpole position at 9 p.m. on Thursday, holding up the entire night for the network. Soon after, it's paired with the rising hit and adult satire, Soap, to create one of TV's smartest and funniest hours. With success comes confidence, 
Barney Miller becomes bolder and bolder in its storytelling, from stories about the squad feasting on brownies, that unknown to them are laced with hash, to episodes about the crumbling New York infrastructure, to outing gay cops, to a prescient and serious outing called the Harris Incident, midway through the run, in which black plainclothes Detective Harris is nearly shot on the job as a result of racial profiling on the street. Director Noam Pitlick wins an Emmy for this one, which treads new ground by exploring rare dissension inside the squad room. Well, maybe I can't understand. I never thought of you as black. See? <laughs> well, I thought of you as a man. I thought of you as a friend, as a partner. If you want me to think of you as black, okay, fine, whatever you want. But just let me know. So I don't go offending you when I don't even know I'm offending you. As a hit, Barney Miller is one of those strong ensemble series able to weather continual cast changes. Be they from defection, Gregory Sierra leaves his role as Chano after 37 episodes, to spinoffs, Abe Vigoda gets a badly thought out and soon canceled show called Fish, to death, Jack Sue who plays the wry detective Yamana, sadly dies in 1979. The changes paved the way for increased story time for existing characters on the show, like Ron Carey's insecure Officer Levitt, or James Gregory's obtuse but well-meaning Inspector Luger. Also helps to have additional new characters, like Steve Landisberg's Hetty Arthur Dietrich. Danny Arnold, who comes out of 1950s variety show television and goes on to write for Bewitched in the 1960s and then wins an Emmy for writing 1969's Ahead of Its Time, short-lived My World and Welcome to It, is Barney Miller's creator and, with Ted Flicker, its overlord. Like a handful of live audience sitcoms of the day, they conceive Barney Miller as essentially a single-set stage play. Here, the precinct squad room with multiple storylines interconnecting therein. Unlike the hugely popular, broad, and cartoon-like sitcoms more in vogue and popular as the decade goes by, especially on parent network ABC, reigning supreme with Mork and Mindy and Laverne and Shirley and Three's Company, Barney Miller is arid dry, with nuanced depictions of not always pleasant or not always easy to figure out, life. The weary cops of the 12th have seen it all, and they're often just as beaten up with the system as the criminals they haul in. Barney Miller, shot in front of a live audience in its early days, a process that it soon abandons due to its marathon-length tapings, is quiet in its explorations of ageism, anti-Semitism, feminism, sexism, and pretty much any other ism the country's dealing with. The show also cultivates a sort of repertory company of actors for guest or recurring roles, familiar faces of character actors of the day, playing victims and criminals, or just neighborhood residents, most notably Jack DeLeon and Ray Stewart as partnered gay men from the area. That the pair are played as stereotypical middle-aged gay men, one of them fairly flamboyant and limp-wristed, offensive by latter-day standards, is to be forgiven, or at least understood, seen in the framework of the times. The more important takeaway, 
that Barney Miller has the vision to introduce this side of New York City at all. The character played by De Leon as early as January of 1975 in just its second episode, 22 years before Ellen. It's a significant advancement in the primetime depiction of homosexuality as a way of being rather than as an affliction. Their appearances are few but important, crawling before walking and all that. If Barney Miller is to be faulted for anything, actually, it's that over its eight seasons, it never really succeeds in integrating a female presence into the all-male cast, especially in its later seasons. Barney's wife, Elizabeth, is written out of the show after just 37 episodes, when it becomes obvious that the strength of the stories come from the show's squad room dynamic. Fair enough. Its one attempt at featuring a female detective among its ranks inside that squad room lasts just a total of five episodes over the course of its first two seasons. But Detective Janice Wentworth, played by stage actress and TV newcomer Linda Lavin, before her breakthrough role on the CBS sitcom Alice, is never really fleshed out beyond the two-dimensional, brashly angry, novel female doing a male's job, holding high the flag of the growing real-life women's movement of the 1970s. No other regular female presence is seen in the squad room throughout the remainder of the show's run, outside of the one-off guest appearances as criminals or victims or hookers. It's a small but important ding for such an intelligent show. Barney Miller wins multiple writing and directing awards in the course of its long run. It's at long last Emmy in September of 1982 for its final season is one of those statues that's as much reward as award here for a nearly a decade of innovation, complex characterizations, sharp comedic observations of the human condition. The series never ranks higher than 16th place for any of its seasons, but its audience is a loyal and passionate one. Viewers love them, some weekly fish criticism of married life with Bernice, or of poor Yamanas, even poorer coffee. It also has a rabid fan base among real-life cops, one of whom, Lucas Miller, no relation, pays tribute to the series in a 2004 New York Times essay, time to coincide with the final season of another long-running cop-friendly show, the drama NYPD Blue. Here's what he says. Quote, Many police officers maintain that the most realistic police show in the history of television was the cop show Barney Miller, far more so than the father of reality TV, Cops. The action was mostly off-screen, the squad room the only set, and the guys were a motley bunch of character actors who were in known danger of being picked for the NYPD pinup calendar. But they worked hard, made jokes, got hurt, and answered to their straight man commander. For real detectives, most of the action does happen off-screen, and we spend a lot of time back in the squad room writing reports about it. Like Barney Miller's squad, we crack jokes at each other, at the cases that come in, and at the crazy suspect locked in the holding cell, six feet from the new guy's desk. Life really is more like Barney Miller than NYPD Blue, but our jokes aren't nearly as funny. End quote. Winner of the Humanitas Award, a Peabody Award, and eight nominations from the Writers Guild of America, winning two, Barney Miller is hailed by the International Business Times in 2014 on the occasion of the show's 40th anniversary as the most intelligent, literate U.S. sitcom ever. Danny Arnold dies in 1995. Ted Flicker in 2014. Neither 
ever has another successful TV series. You got to believe. Hey, send us some questions and feedback and suggestions on Twitter at Believe Podcasts or at Believe.com. That's also where you can get some information on advertising on any Believe show. Find and download The Good, The Bad, and The TV on Apple where you can subscribe and rate us or on Spotify where you can follow us. Also, just plain listen for a new drop each Thursday on these sites or on Stitcher or Luminary or TuneIn or Google Play or the one that was just invented five minutes ago. Be sure to like the show all over your social media. I know I do. Hey, I'm Jim McCarrens. We'll talk again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.